Welcome to the Southridge Church Podcast. This week's awesome message will start in a few seconds. But first, we want you to stay connected with us. You can find us on sanjose.cc or subscribe to the podcast. Let me pray for us, and then we'll dive into God's Word, all right? Heavenly Father, we love you. Thank you so much for such a generous church. Thank you that they care about their community. They want to reach them. They want to see this area to be a place that it's hard to go to hell from, that we just are going to crowd heaven with people. Father, we don't want to just see people saved. We want to see your church grow. We want to see our church family grow. We pray that you do a great work, and Lord, may your word do a great work this morning. Thank you for our guests. Thank you for our friends. We're so grateful to be here. Pray your blessing on this message. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, amen. 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 The mission of Southridge Church is simply this. It's leading people to find and follow Jesus. That's why we exist. It's straight from the gospel. You can find it in Mark 16, verse 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's the mission of our church. And so we have that mission. Now, People do that different ways. And sometimes people select specific groups or specific countries that they'll go to, specific neighborhoods. But I like something that um, former mayor of New York said. In 2001, after 9-11, Mayor Rudy Giuliani got up. And he was speaking to the city. And he said, I found it interesting. When the emergency firefighters, police officers, and paramedics were running into those burning towers, they didn't stop and ask the victim, what nationality they were, how much money they had, what their education was. And the mayor simply said, because none of that matters when you're saving lives. You see, for the church, none of that matters when we understand that people have an eternal destiny. You see, people today, they are looking to how to live longer, be healthier, and prolong life. But the reality is we are eternal beings. When this life ends, that's not the end of your existence. That's the end of this chapter. You see, when you and I breathe our last breath, our real life actually will begin. Because we're eternal beings. And our eternal destiny is going to be set in one of two places. It's either heaven or it's hell. And the mission of the church that we were given by God is to go into the world and preach the gospel. The gospel simply means the good news. What was that good news? That there is new life in Christ. And that's the goal of our church. That's what we've been called to. But sometimes we have other priorities. We have other focuses. And so I want to challenge us over the next four weeks to re-engage in reaching people. So with your Bibles open to Matthew chapter number four, would you Notice if you would, verse number 12 with me. The Bible says this, Now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is by the sea in the region of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan in Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region in the shadow of death, light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus, walking by the sea, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. 
Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father. Mending their nets, he called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. In this passage, I simply see something that is simply a principle for us to follow. My wife and I, we met at a Bible college in just outside of L.A., and it was a large church that had a small Bible college, and the pastor of the church was also the president of the Bible college. And he would say one statement over and over and over. I was at that college for five years because that's how long it took me to get a four-year degree. My wife, she was there for three and a half years for her four-year degree, all right? So she makes up for my shortcomings. But the pastor and president of this college and this church would always say, let's keep the main thing the main thing, and the main thing is soul winning. And we would have to repeat it. He would say it in chapel. We'd have these huge chapels, and it was a Lancaster, California. It's like 113 every day. We'd have to wear a suit and a tie, and you'd be sweating. You'd smell bad. So Jane and I wouldn't sit real close because I didn't want to, like, offend her or anything like that. And so we would say, the main thing is the main thing. The main thing is soul winning. And we'd just say over and louder and louder. And that's just what we, what we would say. We were like little drones repeating. Let's keep the main thing, the main thing, the main thing is soul winning, reaching people, reaching the lost. And that's what our focus was. It's not bad, it's just wrong. I knew you would say somebody would be like, what? How is that wrong? That's terrible. Because it's not what Jesus is actually teaching here, is it? Let's pay closer attention to this passage because the activity of evangelism should not be our first priority. Now hang on before you think I'm a heretic. Now hang on before you make for the door. Now hang on before you tell Ethan, get the band back up, this guy's terrible. Come on, let's worship. Like, Hang on a second. I'm not saying evangelism should not happen. But in this passage, notice a progression. You say, what is it? In verse number 19, he said to them, I will make you fishers of men. Is that what he said? He says, follow me. And, second part, I will make you fishers of men. The emphasis is on follow me. Understand, here's what's happening in the church today. We have made reaching the lost the priority, which is great. The only problem is many of you are burned out. And that's why you don't witness. It's why you don't share your faith. It's why it's hard for you to tell your neighbors. It's hard for you to tell your coworkers. Because after all, you've lived in that neighborhood for how many years? You've burnt out through your friends. You've worked at the same job. So you're like, I, I'm just tired of telling the lost about this. And I just seem like I'm a little burnt out. Why? It's because we've missed something that Jesus is teaching here. You see, too often we are following, we are fishing before following. We're focused on fishing, on fishing. We've got to go after people, got to go after people, got to go after people. And we're never taking the time to say, you know what? I need to follow Jesus. I need to spend time with him. Because otherwise, we're supposed to. Witnessing is supposed to be the overflow of my worship. Because people want what we have, but we receive that from God, from following Jesus. The Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. But if you are never tasting and seeing how good God is... What do we have to give to this world? They can go find it at the club. They can go find it at the casino. They can go find it in relationships, in cars, in careers. They can go find it elsewhere. But when you and I get 
our time with God where we sit there in his presence and we say, God, I need you here with me now. God, I need you in this situation. God, you're right here. Yesterday was just a stressful day. We had a lot going on. We're trying to find a rental, so we're looking at houses. We're packing things up. We're getting yard work, and I keep telling the kids, we don't own this house, so I'm cleaning up after them a lot more than I used to. I'm like, don't slam the door. Gentle when you close the door. You know, don't just fling on the faucet. Gentle, you know. I'm like, I don't want to have to pay for this, you know. And so the whole day, I'm just rushing. I'm doing yard work. I'm cleaning the cars, and I'm getting frustrated. I don't know if you ever get like that. I know that's a shocker, right? The pastor, how dare you get frustrated, you know? I just was. All right, I'm human. I was so frustrated. And then last night, Jane makes fun of me. I was like, I'm going to go in the backyard. She's like, it's cold. And I'm bundled up, got my hoodie on, got my jacket on. And I was like, got North Face buttoned up. And I'm just frustrated. I'm just irritated. I don't have the right spirit. I'm just like, I'm going to go outside. She's like, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to sit on my rock. I got this rock in the backyard. I'm going to go sit there. And I sat on my rock. And I was like, sitting there on my rock. And the guy's like, Mikhail, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm waiting for something. And I looked up. And I was like, oh, my peach tree blossoms are blooming. I had been working under that tree all day picking weeds. And I never noticed to just look up that God was doing something. I was right there. Sometimes you and I can get so busy telling people about Jesus, telling people about Jesus, we never stop to look up and see, wow, you are amazing, God. Wow, you are so good. Look what you're doing. Your, your wonders are past searching out. God, you are so good. So that's why Jesus is trying to remind us that you will lose your fire for evangelism if you're not following him. Jesus is our chief priority. This is why in Matthew 6, he said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and then all these things shall be added. So Christian, we are going to focus on evangelism this week and this month. But understand, first, before we go and fish, we've got to follow Jesus. Because you can't give what you don't have, but you will give people what you do have. So if you don't have Jesus, you're going to give them the devil. But if you got Jesus, guess what? When they got the devil, you can give them Jesus. So that's why we gather on a Sunday morning so we can scatter. This is why don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. But so much the more as you see the day approaching. This is why we need church and not just you and I need it, but the world needs it. I want San Jose to be a place that is no longer known as, oh, that's the Bay Area. Oh, that's a hard place. I want the Bay Area to be the new Bible Belt where there's churches planting, where there's Christians worshiping, where everywhere you go, more and more people are talking about Jesus. Church, understand this. We have got ministry inverted. The goal of the church is for Christians to gather, to glorify God, to get equipped and encouraged, and ministry was actually meant to be happening out there. All the gospel conversations, all the discipleship, all the serving, the giving, the loving, the being with people, is supposed to happen out there. But the church has said, no, 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 let's do it all in here. And we've done less and less and less. And now we live in a city that's anti-church. What do you mean anti-church? The city used to prerequisite and say, hey, here's a new neighborhood. We're going to put a church right here. That's what they used to do. Now they're like, no, we don't want any churches. We don't want a church put here. That's going to take a valuable ground for our precious real estate and tech. That's all they want. Real estate, tech, and now CBD stuff. You know, they, they want everybody vaping now. It's those three, you know, to cope with your tech job. That's why you need that. And so that, that's what they're doing. I get it now. But understand, you and I will lose our fire for evangelism if we are only fishing and we're never following Jesus. So you and I, we can't wait till Sunday. I know you didn't eat just one meal this week. 
So don't just rely on one Sunday morning sermon. Man, get in podcasts, get in a small group, say, I'm going to get in my word, I'm going to have devotions, I'm going to spend time with God. Because the fuel for evangelism is when we focus on following Jesus. We don't need to get better at fishing. We need to get better at following. Because when you get better at following, you will get better at fishing. Because people will come up to you and be like, oh, Pastor Meeks, you got Jesus. I want it. Give me that. Oh, Rod, you got Jesus. Give me that. I, I need that. My marriage is falling apart. You got a great marriage. You got great kids. God, I, I, I need that. I need that. They're going to come up to Jacob and they're like, Jacob, you got something I have. You're positive after everything you've been through, and yet you're still in church. You still love God. You haven't called it quits. You're still here. Man, I need that because the world's looking for hope. They're looking for something. They go up to Selena and they're like, Selena, how are you so upervescent? How are you so bubbly? How are you so happy? You work three jobs. You never sleep. You're always hiking. You're always working. You're always doing ministry. I need what you've got. Aside from the hiking, you and Jane are crazy. <laughs> like to hike, it's nuts. Vacations for resting and doing nothing. Not staying active and wearing yourself out. I got a special sermon just for somebody in the front row. Man, gotta preach. Wore me out. But that's what the world's looking for, and yet the church, we've lost sight of the goodness of God. The song was beautiful. Some of you, you know. You know it was hard for you to sing about the goodness of God. Because you don't know if God's still good. Because you just haven't gotten in his presence. And said, God, I don't see it. I don't feel it. So I need to know that you're still good. I need to know that you're here with me. Because I can't give out anymore. I'm empty. There's nothing left. And so the world is looking for the church. And the church is like, we don't have the answer anymore. And so churches are dwindling and dying. I shared the statistics about how little people go to church now. And it's rare that churches survive. So the fuel for evangelism is when we focus on following him. The Bible says this, behold how good or how great our God is and we don't know him. You see, we must talk to God about people before we talk to people about God. But we spend more time talking to people about God. And that's great. I'm not saying don't do that. But I'm saying, are you following him? Because you will have his heart. And notice this. I love it, what it says. Verse number 19, then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And then verse number 20 is what every disciple should do. The word says they immediately left. I have a problem in my marriage. Jane will say, Micaiah, take out the trash. And I'll be like, sure, I'll get to it. And then I noticed, I started telling my kids, hey, go pick up the dog poop in the backyard. I'm like, man, that was 30 minutes ago. Well, wait a minute. Delayed obedience is actually disobedience. They immediately left it. Now, what did they leave? They leave some slum job? No, the Bible says that they, they left their livelihood. This is their nets. That's the, what they made their living by. And they had a good business. It was a growing fishing business. This area is a growing area. And they left it to go and follow Jesus. And they did it immediately. The church, you say, Lord, I'm going to follow you immediately. So today, don't wait. Make a plan. Say, hey, how am I going to follow Jesus? What am I going to do about following Jesus? How can I be more active in following Jesus? You see, the first disciples did what every disciple should do, and that is not hesitate, but to follow him. You see, we follow our one before we try to reach our one. We follow our one. That's Jesus. We follow our one before we try to reach our one. But many of us this week, and we're going to be, we're going to like write a name down. That's what I'm going to invite you to do. I'm going to have you pull out a card. I'm going to have you write down a name. And I'm going to ask you to pray for that one. But we've got to get back to following the one. 
before we go reach the one. And so as we go into this series, church, we need to understand that God wants you to abide with him. This is the Mary and the Martha syndrome. The church has been busy doing things. And it's a, it's a wonder to me that churches feel like they have to manufacture results. You and I should never have to manufacture results. We should be experiencing the overflow of what God is doing because God wants to save people more than you want them saved. God wants to fix marriages more than you want marriages fixed. God wants to save sinners more than you want to see sinners saved. God wants to change the world more than you want it. God wants to bring revival more than you want the revival. God wants to do the work, but he wants you and I to get into his presence. And he wants us to follow him. And as we follow him, we experience him and we understand how good he is. So then when we tell people that Jesus will change your life, we don't have to kind of say, yeah, Jesus will change your life. We could say, Jesus changed my life. And they're like, I know he did. Man, he did. So there's a principle to follow. Secondly, there's a price to pay. Understand, whenever you say, I'm going to follow Jesus, there's always a price to pay. Notice if you would, we are running out of time. The verse tells us in verse 20 that immediately they left their nets, underlined, circle the word left. You know, some of us, this is why we don't follow God, because we know we have to leave something else behind. But understand, what you are leaving behind is not worth what you are going to receive. But some of us will never receive the fullness of God because we're full of culture in the world. You can't live in the devil's playground, but yet try to be in the house of God. You can't do both. And some of you are frustrated in your Christian life. You're saying, why am I not experiencing the fullness of God? Why am I not experiencing the joy of the Christian life? It's because you're trying to live in both worlds. And God is saying, no, you have to leave something. There's a price to be paid. You've got to leave sometimes those bad influences. You've got to leave some things. That's the price we pay because we want something else. We want something greater. But Peter and John were not the only ones to do it. Notice what verse number 21. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee, and John the brother in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. He called to them. And immediately they left the boat, their father, and they followed him. What is something worth? Whatever someone will pay, someone will pay for it. You may, I have a painting in my office that somebody gave me. He said, this is a $5,000 painting. And they wanted the church to give them a um, tax write-off for $5,000. I was like, I don't know if it's really worth that. I can't put a dollar amount, but I can give you a taxable receipt, and you can put whatever amount you think it is. But I was excited to get that $5,000 painting. I was like, yeah, eBay, here you come. I got a church building to build. So I was like, half price, $2,800. eBay, just watching it Nobody wanted this painting. $24.99, here you go. Nobody wanted it. That painting is still in my office. It's supposedly $5,000 painting. It's only worth what somebody's willing to pay for it. What is the value of a soul? Scripture says it's worth the price of the world. But if you ask the average Christian, apparently it's not worth that much because we won't even go out of our way to tell somebody about Jesus. It's worth whatever you're willing to pay for it. And if you're not willing to pay a little price of inconvenience to tell somebody about Jesus, you are saying you're not worth much. I know that's harsh. I know that's tough. But I had to reconcile with that too. 
how to reconcile with the fact that Jesus put a value on every individual and yet we get mad at people. We went through a whole social justice craze and every uh, life is worthy of justice and dignity. We went through all that, but understand we looked at the church who's supposed to be leading the way in the value of humanity, but yet we won't tell them about Jesus Christ that he can save them from a Christless eternity in hell because we're, we won't spend $5 on a coffee and say, hey, can I take you and get a coffee and we talk about Jesus? Can we talk about things of the Lord? Can we not just talk about sports? And can we not just gossip? And can we not just tear uh, people down and complain about things? But can we talk about Jesus? Can I tell you about your soul? Can I talk to things that matter? Because then that is the price. We're saying, hey, it's worth it to me. That's what it's worth. But for too long, the church wasn't willing to pay a price. Peter and Andrew left their net. The woman at the well left her jar. Matthew left the tax collecting business. But there's a question in my mind in this passage. It starts out really weird, doesn't it? Verse number 12. Let's go back to verse number 12. Notice this. It says, now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. There's a chain of events. And this passage just struck me as odd. I was like, Jesus, why all of a sudden now are you going to tell people about you and preach the kingdom and and preach repentance? Why now? Because John was in prison. And I was like, okay, who's John? John is John the Baptist. This is the cousin of Jesus. John was the one preaching in the wilderness. He would baptize people in the River Jordan. Well, Jesus, you would think when he was going to start his ministry, he would go where there's more people, right? Like Jerusalem, some big town. Jane and I have been to Capernaum. It's a very, very small town. You say, how small? It could fit on the property of this entire hotel. That's how big the town is. The entire town could just, you could plop it down on this hotel. It's very small. Why would Jesus go to an out-of-the-way place? Because Jesus recognized something. John's ministry was in this area, and now John's in prison. So Jesus is like, wait a minute, there's no witness there. I'm going to go where the light has faded. I'm going to go where nobody else is preaching. That's why Jesus went. Even though Herod the Tetrarch was the one who put John in prison, this is Herod's territory. Jesus still said, hey, even under threat of going to jail, I'm still going to pay the price to go there. You see, sometimes Christians, we aren't willing to pay a price. Understand, the level of your significance is impacted only by the size of your sacrifice. Some of you are like, why am I not having any impact? Because there's no sacrifice. The most significant characters throughout history are the ones that paid the biggest sacrifice. And yet the church, we want to give God our spare time, spare change, and we wonder why the world isn't being changed. We're like, well, it's got to be the pastor's fault. It's his fault. He's not doing enough. No. It's the church has got into this mode of comfort. We're not really followers. We've turned into fans of God. We're his fans. We're not really followers. We're like, yeah, go Jesus on Sunday. You change my name. That's you. I'm a terrible dancer. By the way, don't ask me to dance. I scare people. Thank you. You're like, yeah, I'm all into it. And then when it comes time to live for Jesus, you're like, no, man, no, not happening. And we're wondering why, why the world's not being changed. It's because the Christians, we are just fans. We need to say, wait a minute, is this a casual relationship or a committed relationship? And we want to keep things casual with Jesus, not committed. And Jesus is like, can I move you out of the casual into the committed? Or are you just like being that fan? 
that Sunday morning, hey, pastor, better not go too long. I got lunch plans. Really excited about this 930 thing. Man, get there early. Get in, get out. Let's go. Let's go. We, we miss what God wants to do with Christians who say, I'm willing to pay a price. I'm willing to sacrifice because I want to see God move. I want to see him do something. I want to see God change the world. And it's going to be because people say, Lord, I'm willing to sacrifice. You see, we're scared. We're nervous. And you say, Pastor, but I just don't have enough faith. Can I tell you, folks? I'm right there with you. I'm nervous, scared about two service. I'm nervous, scared how to build a building. I'm nervous, scared how to find a place for my family to live. I'm nervous, scared about the future, uh, the uncertainty in the world, everything going on. There's lots of things that have me just kind of on edge. And I told the team this week, and I'm going to say it to you, I don't have great faith in this season. I don't. I only have small faith in a great God. I don't need to have great faith in this season. I just need to have small faith in a great God. And you may be right there saying, I don't know if I have enough faith. Yeah, you don't have to. But it's the object that our faith is directed towards. And they said, we're leaving everything. Why? Just to leave everything? No, to follow Jesus. They were like, we don't know who this guy is, but we're going to leave our father, our business, our everything, and we're going to follow this guy. You know, Jane and I, we just went on a vacation. I think that's a joke to call it that. Seven days, 11 hikes. Seven days, 11 hikes. You do the math. Now, two of those days were travel days. Five days, 11 hikes. One day, we swam with sharks, so we didn't hike. So four days, 11 hikes. That's insane. People ask me, they were like, Makai, do you like to hike? No! I love my wife. But something about Jane, you need to know about her. And this is the same thing. You say, Pastor, you just must really love people. That's why you want to evangelize. No. I love God. And when I love God, he helps me to love people. Because if you just notice, people... Help me use nice words, God. Sometimes people are no fun. They're not nice. And yet you're like, oh, man. Yeah, you need Jesus real bad. About to lay hands on you suddenly and give you some. And give you a touch and bless you. How much oil we got? Can we drown him? Waterboard him in oil? Let's do it. Like this person needs it. But our love is for evangelism. It's not motivated by, by our love for people. And that's, I see people that are just like, I love children's ministry. I love children's ministry. They last two weeks. <laughs> like, I thought you love children's ministry. I hate children's ministry. Their hair's all pulled out. You know, <laughs> they got kids like, ah, get off me, you know. I see people that are like, oh, man, I love being an usher. I love being a greeter. And they don't make it. Why? Because you cannot love the thing you're doing. You got to love God. Because guess what? There are moments I love my wife a lot. Then there's moments I love her a little. Let's be honest. But I'm like, God, help me to love. And you know what? Most of the time, she's like, God, again with this guy. You know, again. But back to hiking. My wife, she's great at hiking. She's great at hiking. She's got the right shoes. I'm like, I don't know what shoes I'm wearing. It's whatever shoes are on my feet. 
But here's the best thing about hiking with Jane. Here's why you would, actually, you don't want to hike with her. You just want to be on the trail that she's on. Let me tell you why. Because every person we see on a trail, I'm just like, oh, get me out of here. You going back down? Can I go with you? Like, can I sit here? Jane's like, hey, how are you? Good to see you. It's a great hike. It's a great day. You see how I am all the time? She's like that on a hike. She's like, hey, isn't this awesome? We're hiking. This is so great. Man. And we're climbing a rock. And she's like, ah, da, 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 da. And then she's like, you got water? Do you need some water? I got extra water. No, no. I have all the water. I have the water. I have the snacks. She's like, do you need snacks? She's on the hike, and she's telling complete strangers, I got snacks. Hey, are you hurt? I got bandages. I got whatever you need. I got paracord. We need to bind something up. I, I got you covered. I got a first aid kit. I got a water bottle. I got these energy pills. Hey, are you dehydrated? I got, I, she is the perfect person. And then here's the best part about hiking with Jane. When you, when we get to the summit, we see it, we take the pictures, because we can't leave until we take a picture. Because the hike didn't happen if we didn't take a picture. Apparently. And then we're coming down. And you know what she tells every person? She says, we're all, you're almost there. You, you, she, she'll see people that are tired. She's like, you're almost there. Here's some cold water. Here's an here's a energy drink. Here's a cliff bar. Here's a Band-Aid. And she's like, then she'll finish it out with this. Have a great day. And then she'll say this. It's worth it. It's worth it. This hike is going to be worth it. Some of you are knowing that there's a price you got to pay. And you're, you're like, I don't know if I could pay the price. Can I borrow Jane's words for a second and say, it's worth it? The view, what you're going to see, what you're going to experience. Yes, it's a climb. Yes, it's hard. Yes, it's going to take everything you got, and you're going to want to quit, and you're never going to want to do it, and it's going to be difficult, and you're going to meet uh, unexpected obstacles. It's going to be wet and muddy. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. The marriage is going to be tough. Parenting is going to be tough. Work, career, live in the Bay Area. It's going to be expensive. It's going to be hard, but it's going to be worth it when you start reaching people for Christ. When you pay the price, you say, God, I want to see you do something. It's worth it, my friend. There is nobody that looks back who gave their life to Christ and say, wait, if I have it all to do over again, I would do something else. No. They say, it was worth it. Every bit. You see, my friend, the reason we do it is because there's a person to please. Write this down as we close. Worship team, would you be so kind to step onto the stage? There's a person to please. We're in Matthew 4. We don't have time, but Matthew 3 the last verse of Matthew 3, the chapter before. Jesus gets baptized. He comes up out of the water of the Jordan River. And the thing that God says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And Jesus said there's one to please. John 15, verse number 8. Herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit, that you and I the fruit of following Jesus is that we fish for people and we see them saved. You know, the longer I get to do ministry and the longer I get to stay at the same ministry, I get a gift. You say, what gift is that? I get the gift of understanding why. The longer I get to be in ministry, the longer I get to stay at the same ministry, 
I get the gift of understanding why. Let me explain. Our church, if you've been around, you know there's ups and downs, highs and lows, peaks and valleys. I never understood why God would give us the ACO building and then take it away so suddenly after all the effort, the everything we put into it. But I do remember one Sunday that we had everybody kind of write their prayer on the walls. Much to the chagrin of Rod who had to paint over that Sharpie marker that doesn't come out because it bleeds right through the paint. But I remember going and reading those prayers and one person, she wrote a prayer. She said, I pray for this person, her fiance at the time, to receive Christ. At the time, her fiance wanted nothing to do with church or Christ. But while we were at the ACO building, something would happen. We would do Christmas tree giveaways. We'd do bike giveaways. And he was cool with that stuff. He was like, that's great. That's what I think the church should be doing. He didn't know about Jesus. Honestly, he didn't really care about that. What he thought was, we're giving bikes to poor kids because he grew up poor and never got a bike. We're giving Christmas trees away. And he was like, man, I would go on the day after Christmas and I would go dig Christmas trees out of these empty lots. That's the only way I got a Christmas tree. So when he saw a church doing what he wished he had, he was like, hey, I'm going to come check it out. Two of them actually broke up, and he came back. And yeah, we lost the building, but he stayed. And then I remember the day I was preaching, I gave the altar to call, and I said, if you want to receive Christ as your Savior, would you slip up your hand? And I remember the day he was sitting back, kind of back where Dan was sitting, and his hand went up. Man, he held it up like it was like a wire pulled from heaven went up. It was just there. And man, he prayed. During the pandemic, I baptized him in my backyard. He comes to church just about every Sunday. He's got a Christian testimony. He brings people to church. And I thought, thank you, God. It was worth it. ACO was worth it. The community center was worth it. It's all been worth it. Failed merger, it's been worth it. The work, it's been worth it. The, 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 the heartbreak, the setback, the trials, all of it, it's all worth it. Jesus hung on a cross and he's saying, hey, I did this for you, it's worth it. Church, what we are about to do is gonna be worth it. But right now, we're saying, God, I'm doing it because I wanna please you. I wanna follow you. Understand, this morning we are called. We are chosen. We have this opportunity to step back and say, God, you are so good. God, we're not just going to go after fishing. We are going to follow you. We follow our one before we go reach our one. Can we stand, heads bowed and eyes closed? Father, we're so grateful that we have this opportunity. But Lord, I'm praying for the people in this room. God, there are some that they know they need to commit their life to you. Some of them, they've fallen back. They've, they've, they've kind of what you call backslidden a little bit. They know that their fire is not as hot for you as it used to be. And that's been because they haven't been following you. So, Father, my prayer right now is that you would touch their heart. God, would you rekindle something? Peter said, stir up the gift. Paul said, stir up the gift to Timothy. Paul knew Timothy's embers, the fire was fading. And so Paul got in there and stirred it up. So, God, would you stir up your people?
Would you stir up Southridge Church once again? Would you stir us up to look at our community, to look at our neighbors and say, I'm following you, God, and yeah, you're giving me a new heart for my neighbor. You're giving me a new heart for my coworker. You're giving me a new heart for my relationships. God, you're helping me this morning. God, you're breathing new life into me. You're breathing revival into me. God, you're bringing revival into this community, into this city. You want to do something, God, and I want to recommit my life to you. And maybe that's you. You slip up your hand and say, hey, I, I, I'm not a fan. I'm a follower. Would you, can I pray for you? Slip up your hand and say, hey, I want to be a follower, not just a fan. Slip up your hand. I want to pray for you. I see that hand. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. I see hands up all over. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Oh, you may put your hands down. God bless you. Father in heaven, you see these hands. They want to move from being just fans of you, Sunday morning only, just kind of doing their Christian duty, to being sold out, to being willing to pay the price. And Father, I pray that you would light a fire inside of them, a fire that they are just enraptured by your love. They want to know you. They want to be drawn close to you. Father, would you renew and restore in their life? Lord, you're so good. We're so grateful for your goodness. And my friend, maybe you're in this room and you're saying, hey, I know nothing about Jesus, but there is something happening inside of my heart. I know that I've never followed Jesus. I know that right now, if I were to pass away right now, I would not spend an eternity in heaven, but I would spend an eternity in hell. And I want to receive Christ as my Savior. I want to say yes to Jesus. I want to be a follower. Is that you? you saying for the first time, I want to follow Jesus. Is that you? You've never given your life to Christ? I see that hand. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else like that? Say, hey, today, I want to receive Christ as my Savior. I want to move to a new level in my relationship with Him. I see that other hand. God bless you. Amen. Anybody else out there? I'm the only one looking around. It's just you and me and God. You say, yeah, I want to say yes to God. I see that hand in the very back. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? You say, God is working. The Holy Spirit is moving in this place. He's convicting me of my need for a Savior. Oh, God bless you. Put your hands down. I'm going to pray a prayer. And I'm going to invite our church to pray with me. Let's pray for those who are coming to God for the first time and those who are coming back to God after a long time. Can we pray this together, church? Dear God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sin. Thank you that there is new life in you. I invite you into my heart that you would cleanse me, you would forgive me, and that you would set me on a new path. I receive you now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, would you lift up your hand as a testimony that you received Christ? Can we celebrate with those? Amen. 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 Praise God. Thank you again for spending time with us today. And a special thanks to those who give generously to Southridge Church. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about Southridge, you can follow us on social media at Southridge Now. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with a friend or even take a screenshot and share it on your social story. Make sure you tag Southridge Church and let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again, and we'll catch you on the next one.